to the Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Micaela, your host. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 60. Today I'm going to be discussing chapter 19 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. So again, another really detailed, packed chapter to be discussing today. So, as I've mentioned for the past probably year now on these podcasts, I am in grad school. So, and it's an insane amount of studying and everything, and it's just a lot. So, that's why these episodes are not being released every week like I'd like them to be. And I have all of Prisoner of Azkaban done. I have all my notes for the rest of these chapters done. We only have a few more chapters until the end of the book. And then it'll be the book to movie comparison discussion episode. And then I'll have a Goblet of Fire episode. So almost, almost done. Um, But because I am in grad school, I do have to, you know, that has to be my first priority. So I'm not able to always take the time to sit and record these episodes and edit them and do all of that. I'm trying to, so I'm going at the pace that I can. But I'm still having a lot of fun with the podcast because I love Harry Potter so much. So we're almost done with Prisoner of Azkaban. But it might not just be every week, but I'll be done with grad school this year. And when I start Goblet of Fire this year, everything will be, you know, weekly and it'll be a lot easier to stick to a regular schedule with the episodes coming out and everything. In last week's episode covering chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Patfoot, and Prongs, again, it was a lot of information, a lot of like background details and stuff to discuss. My um, guest co-host and I really got into all of that. So there's just a lot basically in that chapter about um, the Marauders, which were of course Harry's dad, James, he's Prongs, Patfoot is serious. Wormtail is Peter Pettigrew, and Mooney is Professor Lupin. That's like the chapter title and kind of fitting everything in. So there's a lot of information about that and how they became the anime guy that they are, and Hermione kind of learning these details about them and piecing information together about how Lupin is a werewolf and everything, and how Lupin is feels guilty about betraying Dumbledore's trust for all these years, especially now that he's given him a job and a home, you know, at Hogwarts for the time being and meals and everything like that. Yet he's not telling Dumbledore the full truth about knowing Sirius as an animagus and all of that stuff. And at the end of the chapter, Snape reveals himself under Harry's cloak. (laughs) So there is a lot to there, there was a lot to unpack there that we did, and this chapter now, there's even more. So, make sure you've read chapter 19, The Servant of Lord Voldemort, and now we'll get into all of the details and everything from this chapter. So, it picks up with Snape revealing himself, um, taking off the cloak, and everyone startled that he was there, <laughs> um, listening to however much of that conversation he caught. And then Snape explains how he got there. Lupin didn't take his Wolfsbane potion that night. Remember, the Wolfsbane potion allows werewolves to, um, on the night of the transformation, the full moon and everything, they can take the potion and they can just kind of curl up and be calm and be sane, sedated, sort of. Um, Lupin just takes it and usually crawls underneath his desk and just kind of waits the night out. 
And without it, they would be in just full-on werewolf mode. Um, not only the physical transformation, but like the mental transformation and the all the havoc and everything they can wreak. But Lupin didn't take it that night. Um, so Snape explains how he got there. He went to go um, give Lupin the potion. He had the goblet of the potion in his office. But Lupin wasn't there. And he left the Marauder's Map lying open. Um, and kind of showed the location of Lupin and, and Harry and Ron Hermione, all that stuff, right? So then Snape went to go find them, confront them and all of that at the Whomping Willow, and that's where Harry's invisibility cloak was. It was at the base of the Whomping Willow. So that's how he got there. He went underneath the cloak, snuck in, listening to all that stuff. But Lupin is insisting, like, Snape, you didn't hear everything, because Snape's all like, oh yeah, there's going to be two of you in Azkaban tonight, because he's you know, Snape's petty. And that's when Lupin asks him, you fool, is the schoolboy grudge worth putting an innocent man back inside Azkaban? Because that's really what it is. Snape has harbored this grudge, this hatred against the Marauders for all these years. And it's, it's so much deeper than just a schoolboy grudge. It's, it's just intense, like hatred. Um, so that's what Lupin's asking him, like, are you really going to do this? And, Snape tells him, like, yeah, give me a reason to do it, and I swear I will. And um, it's saying that with Snape and Sirius, like, it's impossible to see whose face holds more hatred. There's just so much hatred and animosity and the tension in that room. Like, they can tell that this is more than just dislike. It's extreme hatred. Then Hermione is the one to speak out. She's like, well, Professor Snape... You know, maybe if there's been some sort of mistake, like, we should hear them out. Hermione's thinking logically right now. You know, she was kind of upset and hurt that she kept Lupin secret. And then she's like, wait a second, you're you're helping Black try to kill Harry? Like, there's all of this confusion with her, right? But she's just saying, well, can we just hear him out? And Snape's basically telling her, no, you're already facing suspension from the school and Snape is beyond reason. Like, Hermione just keeps trying to say, but if there was a mistake, like, let's hear him out. And he just explodes at Hermione. He doesn't want to hear every anything that anyone has to say. Um, he's like, don't even talk about what you don't understand. He's just very upset, talking her, telling or saying that she's a stupid girl, which is not the case. Everybody in that school knows that Hermione is anything but stupid. So, you know, it was incorrect and rude. But, you know, that's Snape most of the time and in this moment not always incorrect but right now he is and he's just saying like vengeance is very sweet how i hoped i would be the one to catch you and of course rereading this i just hear alan rickman's voice as snape and picture this scene in my head because i i said it before but this whole streaking shock scene is so incredibly well done it is absolutely amazing but black's basically saying like yeah you're wrong jokes on you you don't know what you're talking about. And Snape's like, yeah, I don't care. They're, the Dementors are going to enjoy performing the kiss on you. Remember, the Dementors kiss is like worse than death is what a lot of wizards think. It sucks the soul out of them. And they're just basically a lifeless body and you're not really living at all. So that's what um, sentence awaits Sirius. And Sirius, of course, does not want to hear that. So, you know, he's kind of getting even more worked up and everything. There's just a lot going on. And even Harry, as he's noticing, it says that there was a mad glint in Snape's eyes that Harry had never seen before. He seemed beyond reason. Um, 
So, you know, that, that says a lot. And, you know, he's basically telling Harry, Ron, Hermione, especially Harry, that you're in enough trouble already. If I hadn't come here to save you, then you would have been killed. And he's just trying to make himself feel more important too. But then Harry has the counterpoint, like, well, if you think about it, Lupin, Professor Lupin could have killed me so many times this year. I was alone with him a lot in lessons, uh, uh, you know, the lessons that he was teaching him to do the Patronus charm to fight off the Dementors. And he was like, if he was actually in cahoots with Sirius Black, why didn't he just kill me off then? And then Snape's comeback is like, well, I don't know how the mind of a werewolf works. Like the things Snape is saying right now are, are just ridiculous, but it's pretty much what he's saying. Like, I don't know how his mind works, but then Harry is just annoyed and he starts screaming at him like this is all caps you're pathetic just because they made a fool of you at school you won't even listen and then snape all in all caps again screaming at harry silence i won't be spoken to like that and he's telling him you're just like your dad and again that's adding on to the the pettiness and the hatred he's letting it override all reason and all logic um so he is pathetic harry's right you are pathetic you were like 15 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, like around those ages when this stuff was happening. That doesn't make it okay at any age to, you know, be a mean person. But still, like Snape, right now as an adult, you are not thinking clearly because this is a, a big flaw for you. It's a, it's a sore spot that you're allowing to continue to hold this grudge. And now it's getting in the way of like safety for others and reason and everything. So there's a lot wrong with Snape and this is one of those moments. So Harry, in just the split seconds moment of thinking, he tries to disarm Snape and uses Expelliarmus. But Ron and Hermione also choose that exact moment to do the exact same thing. So the three of them try to disarm Snape at once and it ends up, of course, disarming him. His wand flies away and lands near Crookshanks and then he gets knocked out. He hits his head and there's blood trickling under his hair. So they knocked him out. And um, Sirius is like, well, should have left him to me. Shouldn't have done that. And Hermione, of course, is like, oh, no, we we attacked a teacher. Um, We're going to be in so much trouble, even more than we already are in. So there's just like a lot going on. But Snape had also, you know, had Lupin tied up. So Lupin's grateful. It's like, okay, thank you, Harry, even though Ron Hermione helped with that. Um, and Harry's like, well, I'm not saying that I believe you. And Sirius is like, well, all right, let's offer you some proof then. And he wants, um, to take scabbers. Like he's telling Ron to give him scabbers, AKA Peter. And Ron's like, well, how do you know that scabbers is actually Peter? Because there's a million rats, I guess a million rats, like in England or in the world. Hopefully there's not, I don't know how many there are either way. He's saying there are millions of rats how are you, how do you know? How are you so sure that he, um, he's the one that's supposed to be locked up in Azkaban? And how did you know that, how do you know that this is Peter if you were locked up in Azkaban all of those years? Like, how are you so sure? And so now Sirius, he takes out the Daily Prophet from, um, inside of his robes that he has on. And it's the Daily Prophet picture that, or the article, I guess, um, that, Ron had sent to Harry earlier on in the summer um, in the first chapter. And it was when Ron and the Weasleys, they had won that trip to Egypt. And so Scabbers was on Ron's shoulder in that picture. And remember how earlier in this book, Fudge mentions to Hagrid, McGonagall, Flitwick, Madame Rosmerda in the bar 
that he was surprised at how calm Sirius Black seemed. He didn't seem like the mad, deranged killer that the Wizarding World came to know him as. He just seemed super calm and he just asked for a daily profit because he was like, oh yeah, I miss doing the crossword puzzles or whatever it was. So he just gave him the daily profit. And it was in that edition that he saw the picture of the Weasleys and everything and saw Scabbers. So that's that whole connection and backstory and everything. And he knew that it was Peter at once, like right away, because he had seen him transform so many times when they were at school. He absolutely knew all the little tiny details of how that particular rat was Peter Pettigrew. And um, the caption said that, you know, the younger Weasley kids were going back to Hogwarts and everything. And by going back to Hogwarts, he knew that meant going back to Harry. So he was like, oh no, I got to do something about this. And that's why he found the will to escape Azkaban. And Lupin stares at the picture and he starts to explain something else. Because in the picture, you look at like the rat's paw, the picture from the Daily Prophet, and it's missing a little finger. And he's saying, oh yeah, because all that was left of Pettigrew was his finger. Apparently, the story is that Sirius Black blew up the block and killed all those muggles and killed Peter so badly and like mutilated his body to the point where all they found was his finger. Like that's how badly Sirius Black apparently destroyed him. But it was actually Peter Pettigrew who killed the muggles and everything, caused the scene, and then cut off his own finger, transformed into a rat, and fleed into the sewers and everything. So in his rat form, he also was missing a finger. So that's why, that's how Lupin and Sirius are able to, you know, put that information together as well. And, you know, that's when Sirius also confirms what I just said, what actually happened. Like, he caused the scene and made sure people heard him, and then he did that huge explosion and escaped. So that's where that truthful part comes out. And we learned that Sirius was the one who did that, but now Sirius is saying what actually happened from his point of view, what he saw. And it's the truth, it's not just his point of view, it's actually the cold hard facts of what happened that night. And here's Ron, who never wanted to admit that he loved Scabbers, because that's his pet. It's been in his family for 12 years. And even when he thought that Scabbers was dead because Crookshanks ate him or whatever he thought, he was sad. He was really sad. He was really hurt with by Hermione and everything. And he didn't want to admit that he loved Scabbers, but he did. You know, he, people love their pets. And so he's trying to make excuses. He's like, well, Scabbers probably had like a fight with another rat or something. He's been in my family for 12 years. And Lupin's like, okay, yeah. Well, how come he's lived so long? He's just a common rat. And Ron's like, well, we've been taking good care of him. No, Ron, that's that's not what's going on. <laughs> and so Lupin's like, okay, sure. Say you have been taking good care of him. He's not looking too good right now. He's been in, remember, all year or even starting back in the summertime when they were in Diagon Alley, Ron was trying to get him some rat tonic because Scabbers was already starting to lose weight, had little rough patches of hair missing, just different things. He was looking sickly. Even Harry was like, yeah, if Hermione or if Crookshanks doesn't kill him, like he might just die on his own because he was looking so sick and so rough and everything. And Lupin's putting it together that he's been lo- Scabbers has been losing weight ever since he heard that Sirius Black was on the loose again. And it's completely true. He's stressed out. He is scared for his life, Peter Pettigrew slash Scabbers. He's terrified. And again, Ron has another 
excuse for that. He's like, he's just been scared of that mad cat. And it's Crookshank, so he's been scared of. Which, which is true. But Harry's thinking, wait a second. That's not entirely correct. Because Scabbers was already looking sick before he met Crookshanks. Because as soon as Harry saw him, when he met up with Hermione and Ron and Diagon Alley in the summertime before school started, he saw Scabbers and he was like, ooh, he's looking rough. And then Hermione got Crookshanks later in the day. So he didn't even see the cat until after. He had already started to look sick. And so that's when um, Harry's like, okay, wait a second, Lupin might be onto something. Like this is all starting to make sense and check out. And this is when Sirius starts to defend Crookshanks. He's like, actually, this is the most intelligent cat that I've ever met. And he's saying that Crookshanks recognized Peter for what he was right away. He knew that he was no rat, you know, like he's actually human. And same way with Sirius, Crookshanks knew that Sirius was no dog. So it took some time before he was able to trust Sirius, before Crookshanks was able to trust Sirius in his dog form as Patfoot. But finally, Sirius was able to communicate with, with Crookshanks and say what he was after and that Scabbers was actually a, a bad guy, a bad human or whatever he told him. And ever since then, he was, Crookshanks was able to help Sirius. So Hermione's like, wait a second, Crookshanks? What are you talking about? What do you mean? And so Sirius explains that Crookshanks tried to bring Scabbers to him, but that didn't really work he couldn't really do that um because you know they kept stopping him ron kept stopping him you know all of that because they thought he was trying to attack him and then he stole the passwords into gryffindor tower so that was when neville had all the passwords written down because of sir Cadagans constantly changing the password or the passwords to the Gryffindor Tower, so Neville had to write them down because of his bad memory. And he wrote them down a little list, and Crookshanks stole those from Neville's bedside table. And again, Harry's like, his brain is just like, what is going on? Because all of this is so intense and heavy, and it's starting to make sense. So it's a little, you know, off-putting because of how much sense it's making and everything. But then Sirius is explaining how Scabbers started to catch on to what was happening and then he ran for it, you know, and faked his own death and like, you know, bit himself to fake his death with the blood on the sheets and all of that. That's why they, and with the orange fur on Ron's bed, that whole thing, remember from a few chapters back. And then Sirius says, well, faking his own death had worked once. And that is what brings Harry back he was already engaged in this conversation, but it, it kind of jolts him back into his, into his senses and Harry starts yelling and he's like, why did he fake his own death then? Because he knew that you were about to kill him like you killed my parents and now you've come to finish him off and all this stuff. And Sirius is like, well, yeah, yeah, I'm here to finish him off because, because of Peter and what he did and betrayed Harry and, or betrayed Lily and James. And so Harry's like, well, you know what? I should have let Snape take you then. And Lupin's trying to calm Harry down and make him see senses. And he's like, Harry, like, come on, don't you see this? Don't you understand that this whole time we thought that Sirius betrayed your parents? But, and that Peter tracked him down and faked his own death and everything. But he's saying it's the other way around. It's completely opposite of what you think. Peter betrayed your mom and dad and Sirius tracked Peter down. And Harry's screaming at this point. 
that it's not true that Peter was, or that Sirius was a secret keeper. And he said so before you turned up, he said he killed them, like that whole thing. So at this point, everyone still believes that Sirius was the secret keeper. And I've already explained it before, but of course, I'm going to explain it again in this chapter. And I want to read the excerpt of what Sirius says from his point of view, what he's saying. He says, Harry, I as good as killed them. I persuaded Lily and James to change to Peter at the last moment, persuaded them to use him as secret keeper instead of me. I'm to blame. I know it. The night they died, I'd arranged to check on Peter, make sure he was still safe. But when I arrived at his hiding place, he'd gone. Yet there was no sign of a struggle. It didn't feel right. I was scared. I set out for your parents' house straight away. And when I saw their house destroyed and their bodies, I realized what Peter must have done, what I'd done. Because Peter was the secret keeper, he was the only one that could have divulged the secret. And he, Sirius put it together like, okay, he was, he's a death eater. He betrayed them because there's no other way that they could have been found and killed. And Sirius would have died before betraying his friends. He would have been killed and, or he would have been tortured to the point of insanity. He would have been killed before he ever, ever betrayed James and Lily, because that's how, that's the kind of friend that Sirius is to them. So that was the whole secret keeper thing, the little switcheroo that they had done. And Sirius still blames himself because it was his idea for them to switch to Peter because he's like, well, me, Sirius Black, I'm too obvious, you know? At least with Peter, no one would ever see that coming. But it was the wrong choice. But it did work out for Voldemort because Peter was a Death Eater. So, you know, he was able to help him out and, you know, betray the Potters so that Voldemort could go kill them and try to kill Harry. So... Worked out for the bad guys, not so much for the good guys. And as Sirius is explaining this, you can tell that he's he's kind of hurt. Like he's upset reliving this in his mind and thinking about this. And Lupin's just like, you know what? Whatever, enough of this. There's only one way to really prove it. Ron, give me the rat. And Ron's like, well, what are you going to do with him? And then Lupin's like, I'm just going to force him to show himself. If he, if he really is a rat, then this won't hurt him. And he takes some time. He really takes his time with this. And then he's like, okay, fine, here, here's Scabbers. And at this point, Peter, aka Scabbers, is squeaking nonstop. He's been doing this pretty much the whole time, but this time you, you would think that he's in such immense pain that this rat is being like tortured right now. So he is squeaking and squealing and moving nonstop right now because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that he's about to be... <laughs> revealed as Peter Pettigrew so it's not really good but at this point Lupin and Sirius hold the wands that they have and they point their wands at him and you know on the count of three they come to three and there's a flash of blue white light and Scabbers freezes in midair then all of a sudden it, he still twisting and everything then he drops to the floor blinding flash of light and then they start to see limbs sprouting from this rat like a head shoots up, limbs shoot out, and then all of a sudden there's a man standing where Scabbers was. And Crookshanks is like snarling and, and growling at him because, you know, we know this whole time that Crookshanks knew what he really was and this is Crookshanks being vindicated and he's also full of hatred for Scabbers, aka Peter right now. So Crookshanks is, you know, snarling and everything. And there's a little description of him that he's a very short man. He's hardly taller than Harry and Hermione. He has thin, colorless hair, 
There's a large bald patch on top. He had the shrunken appearance of a plump man who has lost a lot of weight in a short amount of time. His skin looked grubby, almost like Scabbers's fur, and something of the rat lingered around his pointed nose and his very small, watery eyes. And again, Peter has been in his rat form for 12 years. He has not been in his human form once since then. He wouldn't dare do that. So this is just gross in general. And also, remember, the anime guy, you don't choose what animal you become. It just kind of happens as whatever animal you're kind of meant to be. And for him, it was a rat. So, you know, take with that what information you will. But he looks like a rat, and that's why... And part of why that's his animagus form as an animal. And Lupin's basically like, hey, Peter, long time no see. And Peter's like, oh, my old friends. Like, so nice to see you. And he is still insisting that it's Sirius. That Sirius was the one who tried to kill him. And now he's back to try again. He says that he's been waiting for Sirius for 12 years. He's been terrified and always so scared that Sirius was going to come back after him. And Lupin's like, oh, really? Even though no one's ever broken out of Azkaban? So yeah, busted, Peter. Even though they don't know, they don't find out till next year, the next book, that Sirius is actually the second person who broke out of Azkaban. The first one was Barty Crouch Jr. with the help of his dad, and that was years ago. And they don't find that out until like a year later. Anyways, though, Everyone still thinks Sirius is the first one to have broken out of Azkaban. And that's why Lupin's like, well, that's that's strange. That's funny. You've been waiting for him for 12 years, even though he's the first one that broke out of Azkaban. And Peter's like, well, Sirius has dark tricks, dark magic that the rest of us can only dream of. He's like, he who must not be named taught him tricks. And Sirius uses Voldemort's name because he's not afraid of him. And Peter flinches and everything. And Sirius starts to explain that Peter's actually hiding from the Death Eaters and everything. And Sirius, because Sirius uses Voldemort's name, he's like, oh yeah, you're scared of him, aren't you? Your whole lot aren't very happy with you. We're, you know, that includes the Death Eaters and everything. And Pettigrew, he's like, yeah, I don't really know what you mean, Sirius. And Sirius is like, well, I know what you mean. Or I know what I mean or whatever. He's like, you haven't been hiding from from me for 12 years. You've been hiding from the Death Eaters, from Voldemort's old supporters. And Sirius tells him, yeah, my 12 years that I spent in Azkaban because of you, I heard some things because, you know, some of the Death Eaters, quite a few Death Eaters were in there. And they're not happy with you. They all think that you're dead or you'd have to answer to them. I've heard them screaming all sorts of things in their sleep. Sounds like they think the double-crosser double-crossed them. Voldemort went to the Potters on your information, and Voldemort met his downfall there. And not all Voldemort supporters ended up in Azkaban, did they? There's still plenty out here, biding their time, pretending they've seen the error of their ways. If they ever got wind that you were still alive... And Peter, of course, he's like, oh, he's he's right. I, I've known this, and I know he's right. So he's like, well, I don't, know, I don't really know what you're talking about, even though his voice keeps getting higher pitched and he's still scared and everything. And he's like, oh, yeah, Remus, you're not going to believe this madness, are you? And Lupin's like, well, you know, I have a hard time understanding why an, a seemingly innocent man that you claim to be 
would want to spend 12 years as a rat. And Peter's like, well, I was scared, you know? I'm innocent, but I was scared. If Voldemort's supporters were after me, it was because I put one of their best men in Azkaban. The spy. Sirius, even though that's not true. And Sirius is just like, this is so ridiculous. Like, he's he's just snorting, like, with, like, uh, like fake comical laughter, whatever that term I'm looking for is. Like, you know what I mean? He's just like, yeah, sure, whatever. This is ridiculous. You know, you're in the wrong here. We all know. Stop pretending that you're not and then Sirius starts to explain kind of what must have been running through Peter's head and he's completely right about it and it's better to just read this quote than it is to for me to explain it you know so I'm just gonna read what he says he says how dare you I a spy for Voldemort when did I ever sneak around people who were stronger and more powerful than myself but you Peter I'll never understand why I didn't see you were the spy from the start you always liked having big friends who look after you didn't you it used to be us, me and Remus and James. And Peter's like, me, a spy, you must be out of your mind. I never, I don't know how you can say such a thing. And he's just, you know, muttering things like that. And Sirius is like, Lily and James only made you secret keeper because I suggested it. I thought it was the perfect plan, a bluff. Voldemort would be so sure to come after me, he would never dream they'd use a weak, talentless thing like you. It must have been the finest moment of your miserable life telling Voldemort you could hand him the potters, which is true. He probably thought it was, he was going to be rewarded so greatly and everything. And Peter this whole time is still muttering little random things like, oh, the lunacy of it. Like, this is far-fetched, all this stuff. And Harry, you know, he's listening this whole time, but he's still taking in all this information. He's still trying to process all of this. Like, this is some heavy stuff and it's a lot of intricacy and details and everything. So he's just kind of taking this in. But he's also noticing the way Peter's reacting. He keeps looking towards the window and windows and the door. And um, he can see that the color keeps leaving his face. Like he, he looks very scared and nervous and like he got caught in everything. And of course, Hermione is also taking all this in. And she's asking like, okay, Scabbers, this man, you know, he's been sleeping in Harry's dormitory for three years. If he's been working for you-know-who, how come he never tried to hurt Harry before now? And so Peter's like, oh, great, yeah, aha, uh-huh, exactly, That that's a good point. Why didn't I try to hurt him before then, you know? Like, I never hurt a hair on Harry's head. Like, why, why would I want to if I was supposedly working for Voldemort? And Sirius is like, oh, yeah, I can tell you that. I can answer that for you. Because you never did anything for anyone unless you could see what was in it for you. Voldemort's been in hiding for 12 years. They say he's half dead. You weren't about to commit murder right under Albus Dumbledore's nose for a wreck of a wizard who lost all of his power, were you? You'd want to be quite sure he was the biggest bully in the playground before you went back to him, wouldn't you? Why else did you find a wizard family to take you in? Keeping an ear out for news, weren't you, Peter? Just in case your old protector regained strength and it was safe to rejoin him. And it's completely true. Like, they they knew Peter so well. Well, they thought they knew him so well that he would never, you know, be a Death Eater. But they know how his mind works. They're able to piece all this information together. And it's completely true. This is how he was thinking. Voldemort was the one who could give him the most power and protection because he was, you know, the biggest bully on the playground, the way Sirius said. And because he was no longer that biggest bully for all these 12 years, he never had to seek him out again. So by pretending to be a pet rat for a wizarding family, he was able to 
get all of the news and information and everything. Which is, is smart, but it's also just messed up. Like, this whole thing is so messed up. But it's also a smart move on Peter's part. You know, he's still trying to play innocent this whole time as well. And Hermione has another question. And she's asking, like, Mr. Black, serious, you know? How, how did you even escape Azkaban if you didn't use dark magic? And of course, Peter's like, oh yeah, haha, dark magic. And then Lupin just looks at him and he knows to just stop talking. Just don't say anything else. So now Sirius starts to explain kind of that process. He says, I don't know how I did it. I think the only reason I never lost my mind is that I knew I was innocent. That wasn't a happy thought, so the Dementors couldn't suck it out of me. But it kept me sane and knowing who I am helped me keep my powers. So when it all became too much, I could transform in myself, become a dog. Dementors can't see, you know. They feel their way toward people by sensing their emotions. They could tell that my feelings were less human, less complex when I was a dog. But they thought, of course, that I was losing my mind like everyone else in there. So it didn't trouble them. But I was weak, very weak. And I had no hope of driving them away from me without a wand. See, this is how he was able to do this without help from anyone else, really. Because Barty Crouch Jr., when he escaped, it was his dad, Barty Crouch Sr., and his mom, Mrs. Crouch or whatever, that helped him escape. He didn't have to use his own mind and willpower or anything. But for Sirius, he, he really did. So because his thoughts were less complex and he was a dog and he was very weak and everything, but he knew he was innocent, he was able to remain sane, but still weak enough to where he couldn't do much or anything. And the Dementors, you know, they didn't see, they didn't know, they didn't really care. They thought he was just losing his mind. But because he was so weak and had no wand, even though he was sane, he had no hope of driving them away. He was still in there and still feeling some effects. However, when he saw Peter in that picture in Daily Prophet, he realized that he was at Hogwarts with Harry. Because he thought he was dead this whole time, you know, kind of like everybody else. Um, and he said that, he, he realized that Peter Pettigrew was perfectly positioned to act, you know, if one hint reached his ears that the dark side was gathering strength again, if there were any whispers of Voldemort gathering power again, or anything like that. So, you know, that's, that's how he knew that Peter would be ready to strike at the moment he could be sure of allies, so that he could have that power behind him, and that he could deliver the last Potter to Voldemort. Um... And if he gave them Harry, who'd, who'd dare say he'd betray Lord Voldemort, you know, he'd be welcomed back with honors, welcome back a hero, if the Death Eaters knew that he's the one who betrayed the Potters to Voldemort, because they didn't know. Nobody knew, knew that, literally nobody knew this. So, except for Sirius, you know, of course, but he thought he was dead, but now Peter's alive. So there was all this intricacy involved and that is how Sirius kind of gained the motivation to escape because he was like, you know what? I'm not going to let him get to Harry like he got to Lily and James. He knew that he had to do something because he was the only one that knew Peter was still alive. And this is another little detail. Remember Mr. Weasley told Harry that they heard whispers of Sirius saying, like in his sleep, the same words, he's at Hogwarts, he's at Hogwarts. And they assumed that was Harry. He was actually saying Peter, like Scabbers. He was the one that was at Hogwarts and everything. 
and Sirius explains, it was as if someone had lit a fire in my head and the Dementors couldn't destroy it. It wasn't a happy feeling. It was an obsession, but it gave me strength, the strength he needed to clear his mind and everything. So one night, when they opened my door to bring food, I slipped past them as a dog. It's much harder for them to sense animal emotions that they were confused, and he was very thin, thin enough to slip through the bars. And he swam back to the mainland as a dog. He journeyed north, slipped onto the Hogwarts grounds as a dog, and he's been living in the forest ever since. He just say, except that time, you know, I came to watch you play Quidditch, Harry, of course, you fly just as well as your father. And he says, believe me, Harry, I never betrayed James and Lily. I would have died before I betrayed them. And after Harry has been taking all this information in, the whole time they've been in that shaking shack, he, he finally believes him. And that's huge. That's a huge moment for Harry, for James, or not for James. Well, I guess for James too. <laughs> but Harry and Sirius, that's a really big moment for them. And in this semi-touching moment of, you know, Sirius being vindicated, there's an outburst from Peter who's on his knees. And because Harry nods, indicating his that he believes Sirius' story, Peter takes that as like, oh no, like, please, like, you have to know that this isn't true. Like, it's me, it's your friend or whatever, like all of this stuff. And he then he turns to Lupin. He's like, "What? You, you don't believe this, do you? Wouldn't Sirius have told you if they changed the plan? And Lupin says, not if he thought I was the spy. I assume that's why you didn't tell me, Sirius. And he says, forgive me, Remus. And he's like, no, not at all, Padfoot. And you will, in turn, forgive me for believing you were the spy. And Sirius is like, of course. So remember, they thought that there was like a spy amongst this group. And there's a lot of stigma about werewolves and that Lupin was possibly the spy. And then Lupin was thinking maybe Sirius was the spy. And that's why Sirius never told him that they switched secret keepers to Peter Pettigrew. So there's that whole little layer of this too that Lupin wasn't aware of with the switcheroo and everything. But, you know, since they're such good friends, they're like, okay, we, we believe you, um, like, or we believe each other, like we freak or we forgive each other and that's okay. And then Sirius is like, well, we should kill them together. Right. And Lupin's yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> and now Peter's like, no, like he turns to Ron. He's like, I, I was your pet rat. You're on my side, aren't you? And Ron probably this whole time, but especially now is just so disgusted. He's just staring at Pettigrew with the most revolted look you can imagine. And he's saying, I let you sleep in my bed, which is true. It's disgusting. He was a grown man that was in his rat form sleeping in this teenager's bed because this teenager literally thought this child thought that he was just a rat, his pet that was in his family for 12 years. So yeah, it's disgusting. It's terrible. It's awful. And Peter's like, no, you won't let them do it. I was your rat. I was a good pet. And Sirius is like, if you made a better rat than a human, it's not much to boast about, which is true. <laughs> but he's still pleading with Ron. Um, but Ron, not only being disgusted, um, he's also in a lot of pain because Peter's grabbing onto Ron's broken leg, you know, so Ron is not feeling good. He feels disgusting. He feels nauseated. He's in a lot of pain. So a lot going on for Ron right now too. And when it doesn't work to plead with Ron, he turns to Hermione. That's the only person left in the room besides 
the unconscious Snape, you know, that he hasn't pleaded with yet. So he's like, Hermione, you're such a clever and sweet girl. You won't let them do anything right. And she's just horrified and disgusted and she just backs away. Actually, I said that wrong. Hermione wasn't the last person left to plead within the room. It was Harry. So now his next, which is so messed up, but then he turns to Harry. He's like, Harry, you look just like your father. And that's like his, that's him starting to plead with Harry. And it's entirely messed up. It's, it's terrible for him to even speak to Harry. And so Sirius, recognizing this, gets super angry right away. Of course, like screaming at Peter, tells him, how dare you speak to him? How dare you face him? How dare you talk about James in front of him? It's, it's so true. But Pettigrew, still pleading, trying to do anything he can to save his own life, says like, Harry, and he's like shuffling towards him on his knees. He's saying like, James wouldn't have wanted me killed. He would have understood. He would have shown me mercy, which I don't know if he would have. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he would have, if it was reversed and it was like Sirius's son and you know, James was the one that had to go to Azkaban. Like if it was all reversed, you know what I mean? If it was Sirius's son and Sirius in this instant was James, I don't know if he would have shown mercy because of that love they had for each other because their friendship was so powerful. And this whole time, of course, Peter is just shaking and because he's so scared, he's like, oh, they're about to kill me. Like he's terrified. They caught me. I'm, I'm in trouble and everything, even though he's still trying to deny some, deny all this information. And Sirius is shaking too, but he's shaking with just extreme anger and hatred and all of that. And he says, and also like Sirius and Lupin, they walk over and they grab Peter and just, you know, are like, no, stop, get away from Harry, listen to this. And so they tell him, you sold Lily and James to Voldemort. Do you deny it? And then he bursts into tears and it's described as horrible to to watch that he looks like a large, overgrown, balding baby just sobbing. And he says, Sirius, what would what could I have done? The Dark Lord, you have no idea the weapons that he possesses. He was scared. Um, Peter was scared and he was never brave like Remus and James and Sirius and that he was forced into this by Lord Voldemort. And Sirius, still extremely mad, screaming at him, says, don't lie, you were passing information to him a year before James and Lily died. You were his spy. It wasn't me. It wasn't uh, Sirius or Remus that was the spy, like people were kind of thinking. It was Peter this whole time. He was the little spy um, that they were mistaking for each other. Peter was the spy the whole time. And Peter is saying, what, what could I have done? What was there to be gained by refusing him? And Sirius is like, okay, let's think. What was there to be gained by fighting the most evil wizard who ever existed? Yeah, only innocent lives, Peter. Like, seriously, be serious right now. And Peter, of course, just still trying to make excuses and do whatever he can to save himself, is saying, you don't understand, he would have killed me. And so, all caps, roaring, screaming, just absolute fury, he says, then you should have died. You should have died rather than betrayed your friends as we would have done for you. So, you know, that's a big moment right there. And again, it's in the, in the movie, of course, so well done, just chills. It's, it's a really great, amazing moment. And 
So Sirius and um, Remus are like, you should have realized that if Voldemort didn't kill you, that we would. So, yep, goodbye, Peter. Which is true. Like, that's what that's what they would have done for each other because they were they were such good friends. And now, because of Peter's actions, um, here, Harry is, he's been an orphan for most of his life, and he will be for most of his life. He never knew his parents because of what Peter did. And because of what Peter did, Remus and Sirius, they don't have Lily and James alive, you know? It's, things could have been so different with all of this. But because of that, you know, because of Peter's actions, they're not... And they all missed out on so much. Uh, Remus, Sirius, Harry, all of that, right? Lily and James, because they were killed. So there's, it's a lot deeper than just, a like, it's not a minor portrayal by any means. It it runs very deep for for all of them, not just for Sirius or Lupin or just Harry. It's it's all of them. It's, it's a really deep, hurtful betrayal. And... Sirius and Remus, they raise their wands because they're about to kill him. They're going to kill Peter. But Harry's the one that stops them. He he screams no and he runs in between or in front of Peter and in front of Sirius and Remus to stop them from killing him. And Remus and, and Sirius are like, what what are you doing? This is This guy is the reason you have no parents he would have seen you die too without so much as affecting his life at all. You heard him. Um, he didn't even care about your whole family or anything like that. And Harry's like, yep, I know, but we're going to take him back to the castle so he can go to Azkaban, hand him over to the Dementors, but we're not going to kill him right now. And Peter takes this as like a, a very noble thing of, for Harry to do. And Harry's like, I'm not doing it for you. Don't touch me. Get off of me. Because he's like, oh, thank you, Harry. Like, you know, Harry's like, no, get away from me. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it because I don't think that my dad would have wanted his best friends to become killers just for you. Because you're disgusting. We hate you. And, you know, Harry didn't really know his dad. But he thinks that he wouldn't have wanted Sirius and Remus, his remaining best friends, to become killers so that is why Harry is stopping them from killing him, not because he has any sympathy or anything at all for Peter Pettigrew. So Sirius and Remus are like, okay, Harry, you know what? You're the one that has the right to decide. Very well, we'll go with what you say. But he's like, Peter, I'm going to tie you up right now, you know, using magic, of course. And he's like, if you transform, we will kill you, though. So you better, you know, better figure out what you're going to do because you're in trouble either way. And you would almost think that dying would be better than going in Azkaban and facing what he thinks he's about to face. Dying, it'd be over, it'd be quick. But, you know, people are afraid of dying. And Peter is one of these people, very much afraid of dying. And he, so he goes along with this. He, he, um, He's like, okay, fine. I'm not going to transform, you know, even though I feel like him dying would have been easier for him, but he's so much of a coward that he is in fact scared of death. This is also a big moment for Harry because he could have easily have just been like, you know what? I never knew my dad because of this guy, you know, partially because of this guy. So I, you know, kill him, let, let him die, torture him, do, do your worst, serious and remiss. But he doesn't do that. 
he's like, you know what? No, I want my, I don't want to have something, have Remus and Sirius do something that they can't undo and become killers for this guy. So it's also a big moment for Harry. And it reminds me, I guess it's kind of like a parallel between now and the last book in Deathly Hollows when Harry and Ron Hermione and um, Ollivander and Luna and all, all of them, they're trapped in Malf- Malfoy Manor and Voldemort's about to come to kill them. And he sees Peter, who's supposed to be kind of like guarding them or whatever, and says like, you owe me. And he does. And Peter or anybody, whoever that was, could have just easily been like, I don't care, whatever, it doesn't matter. And Peter does hesitate for a split second. And, you know, then the hand that Voldemort gives, well, I guess if I explain this in the best way, back up a little bit. When I'm saying the hand that um, Voldemort gives Peter in the next book, In Goblet of Fire, when Peter is helping to bring Voldemort back to life, because after this, the event of this book, you know, spoiler alert, Peter scurries off to go find Voldemort and help to bring him back, not to life, but to full life, I guess you can say. And part of doing that, he has to give flesh of the servant, and so Peter has to cut off his hand to do so, and he does. And Voldemort rewards him by giving him like a little magic-y silver hand, right? And that hand chokes Peter to death, like his own hand chokes him to death when he hesitates in that split moment four years from the events right now in Prisoner of Azkaban when Harry's like, you owe me, you know? So it's, it's kind of interesting parallels and everything there. And if you aren't familiar with the books and you've only seen the movies, you're not going to see that part. They didn't do that in the films, which I really, really wish they would have. But you know how they're going to develop a Harry Potter show. So a lot more details and everything from the books. So I'm sure that'll be in there, even though we won't see it for probably like, I don't even know, 20 years or something by the time they do the casting. And by the time they get to the seventh book, like, let's be serious, it's going to it's, I'm, I would say well over a decade right now, more than, more than 12 years, I think for sure. The, the time like that serious is in Azkaban, it's going to be a lot more years than that. Anyways, back to kind of what's going on here. So they all are gonna leave the Shrieking Shack now. And, um, Ron, who, you know, his leg is broken. Lupin's like, well, Ron, I can't mend your bones nearly as well as Madame Pomfrey can. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, splint it up right now in a way. And he uses the spell Ferula and bandages wrap tightly around Ron's leg into a splint to kind of help to stabilize a little bit. And he's able to put his weight on the leg without being in like a ton of pain, you know, because magic, right? It's great. (laughs) So he's like, okay, thanks. That's better. And Hermione, who's still worried and kind of frightened that she helped to attack a teacher is like what about professor snape you know what are we gonna do and lupin's like well he's just knocked out there's nothing really wrong with him um we'll just take him up to the castle before reviving him you know we're not gonna revive him now (laughs) we'll just be safely in the castle so he uses the spell mobilicorpus and this basically makes it seem as though there's invisible strings that tie him together and he's just like in a standing position like a little puppet his head's just kind of lolling he's just dangling a few inches above the ground and 
Lupin takes the invisibility cloak and tucks it into his pocket. And again, doesn't give it to Harry. We, it's kind of strange why, but he doesn't do that. And he says to, or Sirius says, we're going to chain Peter to the two of us just to make sure. And, um, well, he says two of us should, not the two of us. So Lupin's like, okay, fine, Peter, you can be chained to me. And Ron's like, I'll do it. I'll be the other person. You know, Ron's taking it as a personal offense that his, it's a personal insult, right? He limps forward on, because he has one broken leg right now, personal insult that this man pretended to be his pet in his family for 12 years, right? And that he would betray his best friend's family like this, that he would do this to Harry, and that he did do this to Harry in the past. So, you know, with betraying his parents. So, again, this is personal, right? Ron's not happy about this. He's like, you know what? You're going to be chained up to me too. So Peter is chained up to Remus and Ron right now, just to be extra sure. And then the last sentence of the chapter is, Crookshanks leapt lightly off the bed and led the way out of the room, his bottle brush tail held jauntingly high. And I love that Crookshanks is leading the way out of the room. He's like, yep, he just feels cool right now. He's like, I was right this whole time. I knew it because of what Sirius communicated to him. And he's like, I helped bring this bad guy in. Like Crookshanks is very, very proud of himself right now. And the last thing I have written in my notes here is, is no one thinking about the Wolfsbane potion that Lupin forgot to drink? You know, Snape mentioned it. That's how he knew where to find Lupin because he saw the Marauder's map in his room or in his office. That's what he was doing there in the first place to bring in the potion. And everyone's just kind of forgetting it. Yeah, it's an important detail. But also, look at all the information that they just learned. Look at all of all of the secrets that were revealed and all the revelations and all of that. So it's also understandable that they're kind of forgetting this. But again, a super jam-packed chapter. So much information. Lots of big things happen for all of them. You know, Harry's discovering the truth. So is Sirius. I mean, I mean, not Sirius. Remus is discovering the truth. Sirius is also discovering some truth. Um, he figures it all out with Peter, puts it all together, but also about how Lupin wasn't the spy and everything. Um, Peter's figuring out he's not as smart as he thought he was. Hermione's, you know, doing her little Hermione logic in her brain, discovering all of this, putting it all together as well, learning this information in real time. And Ron also discovering that this this man was wasn't really the rat that he thought he was you know so there's it's 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 heavy for everybody in different ways right and also for Ron and Hermione because they're like wow for Harry all this that he just learned he already learned earlier this year that Sirius Black was his godfather and apparently he betrayed his parents to Voldemort but then all of a sudden it wasn't serious and he's the good guy like it's it's a lot and I think that they appreciate that it's a lot for Harry in this moment right now and there's a lot more that's about to go down so it's it's a lot like this is such such a great chapter it's it's really good and this whole book is so good I've mentioned a few times I mean of course I love all the books and all the movies but Prisoner of Azkaban really is one of my favorites books and movie and that's how it is, like, for a Goblet of Fire. Like, I love all of them, really. But it's Prisoner of Aspen is super, super good. And this next chapter here is also really amazing. And it's 
it's I'll explain next chapter why it's a little bit not extra special but I guess that's the way to say it maybe like a tiny bit extra special and everything to me but that is the chapter there was a lot of um great like I mean reading the quotes there was some parts where I just had to read the quotes and excerpts of the quotes and summarize those because sometimes that was better than me just saying oh by the way so Sirius basically says this like the the way it's written is really important for some of it I think so there was you know reading some of those quotes and everything but I think overall it, it helped to to portray the message that needed to be done so that was chapter 19 um you guys can find my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Anchor, and Pocket Casts. The Twitter is at SlytherinPod, and you can email me at Podcast at gmail.com. And again, I'm hoping to record this next episode for chapter 20 soon, so that hopefully it'll come out a week after this, but we'll see again because of grad school. But either way, again, another really fun episode. And yeah, make sure you read chapter 20 of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, The Dementor's Kiss, for next week's episode. Thank you for listening to The Heiress of Slytherin, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Ella, your host.